I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Railways. We use them to commute to work and go on holiday. They sprawl for our countryside and cut for our cities. But what are they and where did they come from? This is the podcast where we aim to answer all those questions and more. Join us as each episode we delve into a different aspect of trains and the network until we're all fully-fledged railway buffs. Welcome to the In Training Podcast. Hello, welcome to the In Training Podcast. This week we are looking at a very interesting story called The Crash at Crush. Do you want to uh, explain what this is, Shannon? Yeah, um, it's, well, it's a long story, should I say. Well, I'd say a long story, but it's a very interesting one. The Crash at Crush. So this was a single day publicity stunt in Texas that took place on September the 15th in 1896. So way back in the Victorian era. Hmm. And uh, the event was organised by a general passenger agent of the Missouri-Kansas-Texas Railroad, or as it was known then, the Katy, in order to demonstrate a staged train crash for a public spectacle. As you can probably imagine, it really didn't go well. <laughs> Hence why we're talking about it. Yeah. Um, but rewinding to the very start of it, the Katy Railroad had first reached the town of Crush in the 1800s uh, during the construction of the Dallas and Houston route. With the expansion of the railroad, the Katy replaced its 30-ton steam engines with newer, more powerful 60-ton powerful engines. And inevitably, there was like an accumulation of these old unused units that were just hanging about. Mm. So in 1896, Katy agent William Crush proposed a publicity stunt that would be well that would use the old Katie trains and this was going to be held on the Dallas Houston route at a site which was about 40 miles north of oh, is it Waco I hope it's Waco and not Waco <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Waco is the right way to pronounce it <laughs> yeah it that sounds about right south. yeah I feel like <laughs> Waco just sounds wrong <laughs> apologies if it is pronounced like that um <laughs> And it was also three miles south of the town of West, a super imaginative name. And a previous locomotive crash had been staged by the Columbus and Hocking Valley Railroad at Buckeye Park in Ohio, uh, which was on May 30th, 1896. And that was a huge success. Like it, it garnered a lot of money and a lot of praise from people. They loved it. It's um, interesting because so- I was trying to work out like where this idea came from, you know, because they could have just 
I don't know, put it in a hole or something, buried it. Yeah. But it's quite interesting when they kind of thought, right, we're going to crash them. It's all about making money, end of day, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Buckeye Park was established and owned by the Hocking Valley Railroad to bring in residents of nearby Columbus um, to have weekend getaways. And the locomotive crash was planned for the park's annual opening day and drew about 20,000 viewers in. So that's a lot of people for then. Yeah. There was no admission fee. However, the money made from like made on the railroad passing traffic to and from the park was like what gave them the profit. Um, uh, okay. So by getting people to come and go back home, yeah, on the trains. Yeah, that's how they made the money. So William Crush took this idea and ran with it for the Kate Railroad. So you have to remember like entertainment was kind of sparse in the 1800s so um like spectacles like these are pretty much the talk of the town or like even the state basically mm. therefore it's like unsurprising that people like crush saw these taking place and wanted a piece of the action so to speak it's kind um, of similar to like the um old public executions isn't it like it's exactly that stage. but <laughs> yeah but for vehicles <laughs> i know Let's go watch some trades crashing uh, before the time of TV. <laughs> Interesting. So, yeah, Crush knew that he could advertise the crash to the crush and crash. There's a lot of uh, repetitive words. <laughs> so, he could advertise this to thousands of potential passengers. And with this pitch and the potential income that could be made uh, being clear, his superiors agreed to the proposal and he ended up getting full control of the project. Um, so, similarly to the Hocking Valley Railroad crash, this event would be free of charge. Uh, instead, it would be profiting from the ticket sales on special excursion trains running to and from the event site. And two water wells were drilled at the site, and a circus tent was placed up, as well as a grandstand, speaker stands, a reporter's platform, two telegraph offices, and a special train um, depot. Depot. It's depot, oh. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Another word I always pronounce wrong. <laughs> so it is like so, a event, really, isn't it? If they've got all of that going on. Yeah, I know. It might as well have been a theme park. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think it was out in the middle of nowhere? Is that why they've they've then making money on the uh, getting people there, the travelling there? Well, um, as I go a bit further in, it kind of explains that it, it, it basically was just a temporary town. Right. Obviously named after William Crush for the mm. event. So they just built up this town just to crash some trains together yeah that's what <laughs> it was founded do. on that principle yeah. <laughs> we all love train crashes yep so all of this was looked over by a had like a big sign proclaiming the site as a new temporary town uh called crush after william because that's not narcissistic at all but <laughs> <laughs> whatever there are also like lemonade stands carnival games cigar vendors medicine shows you know like in, like in victorian films where they show like oh this this potion will make your hair grow back or something uh, okay. like yeah <laughs> apothecary things you know and lots of other shows as well um with there was also a construction member that stated that the shows alone were like worth seeing so even without the actual big event people were just coming to enjoy the circus and the carnival shows mm. um so it was a big spectacle a separate four mile segment of the track from the KE was built for the event alongside the railroad so there was no chance a runaway train could end up on the main line and end up crashing an actual running train each end of the track was placed on top of a low hill on opposite sides of a valley uh, so the 
trains could meet in the middle. And the locomotives that were going to be used were two 35 short ton Baldwin engines, uh, number 999 and number 1001 or 999-1001, whatever you want to go with. So there was plenty of safety precautions that had to be taken place. But remember, this is like in the 1800s. So health and safety wasn't especially a priority back then. Um, it was a quick quick sweep of the event like yeah it's good to go whatever (laughs) (laughs) yeah but uh the day before the event they did they did actually do a speed test for the engines by which was done by railroad officials in order to help predict like when they would collide and katie engineers told william crush that his idea was safe and that the boilers of the engines have been designed to resist ruptures uh, even at a high-speed crash, so they weren't going to explode, or they were unlikely to. Right. Uh, famous last words. <laughs> <laughs> so each engine would be pulling six box cars behind it. Uh, behind the couplers linking the cars, uh, they were considered unreliable. The cars were chained together to prevent them from coming apart during the in- impact. Uh, so nothing should have like torn apart, really. Uh-huh. So Crush insisted on restricting the public to a minimum of about 200 yards away from the track, but he did allow members of the press to be with 100 yards because I guess their lives matter less, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I suppose it's just for, you know, better pictures and whatnot, Mm. considering each picture took like three minutes to do back then. He probably needed to be as close (laughs) as possible. Yeah. So the Katie officials had expected a crowd of about 20,000 to 25,000 people to attend, but the the really good market employee was like an overwhelming success. Mm-hmm. And the railroad, railroad sold out more than 30 special excursion trains for the event. So there was a lot more than they were expecting to be there. So for the actual big event itself, uh, it was delayed for about an hour due to some crowd resisting the police because uh, they wanted to get everyone back to a seemingly safe distance then at about 5 p.m the two trains pulling cars like loaded with rail railroad ties um they slowly met in the middle for a photo opportunity so they kind of just like you know did like a handshake sort of thing <laughs> they just bumped yeah. noses and then st- went to the starting points at either end of the track so then William Crush then signaled the start of the spectacle and the crew aboard, because there were crew aboard the trains to like set it off, uh, they opened the steam to a pre-range setting and they rode the four, well, they rode the trains about four turns of the wheels before they like dived off. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they're not meant to be on the train when it collides. Then. No, they just they just get it going to the speed oh, it needs okay. to be at and then they stay on for a little bit and then jump off. <laughs> You know, like jumping out of a moving car, essentially. It's oh crazy. I know. I don't think any of those, what, what, from what I could find, none of those were injured. Oh, okay. um, That's good. Somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is quite amazing. Oh, it gets worse, though. <laughs> <laughs> so each train reached about 45 miles per hour by the time they met in the middle, which doesn't sound fast, but because of how like heavy these things are, mm. that's a lot of momentum. So the, like some of the spectators, spectators actually thought that it was traveling faster than that. Um, but it, even if like anyone involved wanted to change their mind at that point about doing it, it was way too late. Yeah. So witnesses actually described the impact as it crashed, um, which was recorded in the Dallas Morning News. I think it was the day after. Hmm. Uh, they said it was a sound of timbers rent and torn. And then that was followed by a moment of like complete silence. And then the two boilers, uh, 
exploded. And then oh the ones that God. they said was unlikely to explode. Uh, <laughs> and as if the trains have like collided for a second time. Although this time it came with like a shower of debris and then it basically transformed whatever was left of the locomotives into shrapnel and flung hundreds of feet into the air and straight into the nearby crowd. Who would yep, have thought so... anything could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, I guess because there'd been previous crashes and nothing like this had happened, they just assumed it would be fine. But obviously, with there was about 40,000 viewers there and panic started setting in and everyone started running from the scene. And a Confederate veteran at the event compared the actual explosion to a battle, which understandably with all the debris blowing up everywhere. Yeah. And other spectators started dropping to the floor and... The, de- the debris just continued to fall on the viewers with some of it like being small pieces of metal and bits of wood and then some of them were like the size of a boiler stack so it's mm. like huge huge wads of metal yeah. <laughs> for some reason it just reminds me of Final Destination <laughs> I don't know why it does sound like it doesn't it yeah it's a weird comparison to make but you know those scenes at the beginning where just bits go flying everywhere and you see people mm. get absolutely mangled gross comparison <laughs> but that's what comes to mind i've always had that uh, uh, image of i don't i don't even know which one it is but one of them starts off with a highway doesn't it and there's there's all these cars on a highway um yeah yeah and there's one bit where there's a there's a log truck with oh. all these logs in the back and one of them just goes that- straight through the windshield of the car behind it and it's like oh every time i see a truck with logs on the back now i get so scared driving yeah. past it <laughs> just think of that scene that doesn't look tied down that's not safe no <laughs> yeah it's a weird tangent to go on but yeah it just reminded me of that <laughs> maybe but, maybe someone anyway. here had a premonition and they should have warned everyone oh do you think <laughs> i don't know so, yeah, <laughs> they should have done it might have yeah so obviously two people were killed and then about six more were seriously injured which is a lot less than i expected i mean it's still more than should have been but it's surprising that not more people were killed Mm. uh and a photographer called jarvis dina i think his last thing yeah dina Mm. uh he ended up losing an eye to a flying bolt unfortunately I think he survived though miraculously like mm. and after all of that all that was left of the engines were and cars were big smoking masses of metal and wood apart from the ends of the cars of both trains which like miraculously went untouched mm. so if this would have happened like today uh, there's no doubt like a long and arduous investigation would have happened with plenty of like reparations to be paid like for those who were at fault yeah. Uh, but it wasn't present day <laughs> and health and safety was like non-existent mm. so once the panic had subsided and the dead and injured were in the process of being moved from the site spectators returned to the wreck <laughs> basically like vultures and they started snatching up debris from the carnage oh. um as like souvenirs right <laughs> <laughs> i guess that i guess like cigar vendors weren't enough while they were there they wanted a piece <laughs> of the broken train as well they want something to remember uh, their lovely day by <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. piece of bloody metal from oh, <laughs> awful. awful. Um, I know some some even went so far as like to burn themselves on the, the still hot metal for oh a piece of like the train. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was like people posing for photos as well. Like they stood mm. on top of the masses. Yeah, I guess they didn't have a very good gift shop. <laughs> Very satisfied with it. Yeah, gotta get a selfie on top of the uh, blown up train. <laughs> even back then, even back then, they were still taking <laughs> selfies. They have a go at us now for it, but those Victorians were at it and all. <laughs> well, I say Victorians are Americans, but during mm. that era. Um, yeah. So 
obviously William Crush was immediately fired <laughs> from the position <laughs> of from the Katie Railroad. Although this was likely just to have been like to save face with the company because he was uh, quietly rehired the next day. <laughs> And uh, he continued to work for the company until his retirement in like a wow. six-decade-long career, which is <laughs> insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess in those so days, it, like, you could get away with that because they would put out the yeah. news article saying he's been fired or whatever. And for everyone else, yeah, yeah, you can't Google it. Yeah. <laughs> I know nowadays that'd be absolute uproar. The company would be like going to court every single day for the rest of their existence. Yeah. But... Yeah, the story ended up making national headlines, and the Katie Railroad uh, like quickly settled several lawsuits from the victim, like from the victims' families, with cash and ironically lifetime rail passes. <laughs> I think I'd be a bit uh, insulted by that. Yeah. <laughs> like here, your, your family member might have been killed by a train, but have free rail passes mm. forever. Great. <laughs> <laughs> and the severely injured photographer who somehow survived he got damages of about ten thousand dollars or about like three hundred and nine thousand dollars sorry in today's currency which really isn't a lot considering he lost an eye it reminds me a bit of that Alton Towers crash the other year and like the the people now they've been paid millions haven't they I feel like they got a lot yeah Mm. oh yeah yeah I think they were offered like Merlin passes as well so they could get access, like yeah, similar figures. The poor room, like read the room. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, but com- like compared to t- today, like that amount of money would be laughable in reparations. Mm. It's crazy. Yeah. But despite the tragedy, the ro- the railroad in total actually benefited from the attention, and um, it continued to like hold their own locomotive crashes in later years as well. So it wasn't the last one they did. That's amazing. I know, and the fact that the town still got named after the guy, even yeah. though it's part of his fault. I'm assuming it's not there anymore, obviously, because it was a temporary town. But um, mm. yeah, it's just it's just so strange <laughs> they decided yeah. to build a whole town just for this one spectacle. Uh, yeah, yeah, and name it after the guy who did it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's the whole tale of the crash and crush, and it's uh, it's just I found it really interesting because it's hard to believe that something like that would have taken place, especially nowadays when well, one health and safety is like through the roof. You mm-hmm. you have to do health and safety like checks for everything. Yeah, and two that like people had to resort to that for entertainment. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I suppose it's one way of getting rid of some old trains, but. And, yeah. and the fact that clearly people still attended uh, locomotive crashes in later years, like yeah. even after hearing about something like that happening, like horrible tragedy is still going. Like that's yep. pretty incredible. And yeah. thank God we got TVs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because it's like, in a way, it's sort of like recycling, isn't it? But a very, well, actually, yeah. no, I guess it's not because you're blowing it up. <laughs> well, yeah, it. I couldn't find anything about what they actually did with the remains of, of the locomotives after, mm. whether they just scrapped them or what. But um, well, it sounds like most of the people just pinched it. <laughs> they didn't have any remains. <laughs> yeah. I know. I just It's just funny to imagine some of them going in with like train wheels or something because mm. they're like the size of a person. <laughs> <laughs> They've just like put that on their fireplace. Just like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice little it's like, mom, I brought a piece of a train home. <laughs> It's got blood on it. 
<laughs> disgusting. A part of me would have like been interested to go and see one of these though. Mm. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's if, if you heard it was happening and it was nearby, it probably would yeah. be quite interesting to watch. Like, not obviously not this one where it's actually exploded, but oh no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely get the interest. People watch um, like monster truck stuff, don't they? And that's that's basically just cars crashing into each other, isn't it? Yeah, like crash yeah. derbies and stuff like that. They're super popular and mm. it's understandable. Yeah. But I mean, it's definitely a success story in marketing, yeah. <laughs> even with the uh, <laughs> even with the explosion, because they still benefited from it. Mm. I mean, <laughs> so marketers take note. <laughs> <laughs> No, don't really don't. Yeah. don't need this to happen. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's the full story. I mean, it's a crazy one. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.